0: Introduction from the Book of Irish Poetry, Part One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elaine Conway, England of anthologies of irish verse there have been many miss charlotte brooks's irish poetry a volume of translation of her own from the irish led the way in the year seventeen eighty nine and was followed by hardyman's irish minstrelsy in eighteen thirty one with metrical translation by thomas furlong henry grattan curran and john de Alton both these volumes contained the irish originals as well as the translations from them and both volumes were extremely valuable for their preservation of those originals but suffered from the over ornate and indeed often extremely artificial english verse into which they were translated highly finished that verse undoubtedly was here and there as fine as much of a macpherson's ossian but it was as a rule as untrue a presentment in english verse of irish gaelic poetry as pope's version of the iliad and tridon's translation of the are untrue expressions of the spirit and form of the greek and latin originals as a matter of fact these translators from the irish had not learnt the lesson not long afterwards learnt by edward walsh and sir samuel ferguson that the use of that poetical huburno english speech recently made popular by douglas hyde singe lady gregory and others was a far truer vehicle for the expression in translation or adaptation of irish gaelic poetry walsh indeed published his own translation of reliques of ancient jacobite poetry eighteen forty four and his more characteristic irish popular songs eighteen forty seven it might almost be thought as a protest against the artificial character of previous collections of the kind not excepting montgomery's anthology which preceded his second volume by year Dr Drummond's his ancient Irish minstrelsy translated by himself which appeared in eighteen fifty two is an attempt to hark back to the eighteenth-century and early nineteenth-century formal school of poetry but has fine passages such as his cucuin's chariot expanded from a passage in the breach in the plain at N'otherney this wise tendency to treat irish poetry in an irish way through the medium of what i have already called hiberno english speech was lost sight of by the young islanders whose work was as a rule oratorical rather than poetical when verse became the medium or in very large part the medium of their political propaganda thomas davis and his friends fell more under the influence of scott and macaulay than under that of the gaelic poets immediately preceding them or contemporary with them no doubt they took a pleasure in printing irish words in irish characters here and there in some of their national lyrics and now and again we find in davis more particularly the irish human touch which when he had time to write poetry rather than verse so distinguishes him but as a rule the stirring appeals to patriotism on the part of the young island poets is little better than versified oratory thomas moore was more individual as a poet than any of the young island group yet whilst he undoubtedly possessed the irish characteristics of wit and fancy sentiment and satire he had nothing of the spirit of the irish countryside in his composition irish was not spoken by his parents or neighbours in dublin and when years afterwards he was seeking materials for his history of ireland in the library of trinity college dublin he was amazed to find what a great body of gaelic literature in prose and verse utterly new to him lay collected there before his eyes the classics inspired the Anacreontics of thomas little his poetical tales colored though they were by his celtic imagination as well as by his west indian recollections were entirely derived from eastern never from irish sources the only purely irish influence upon his work was that of irish music and that influence has made his irish melodies in part at any rate imperishable in spite of his fine as well as faithful translations from the irish the influence of byron upon callanan is obvious and gerald griffin though much nearer to the spirit of his native soil as a poet than most of his contemporaries was drawn like so many young irishmen of letters under london literary influences it was never more than half emancipated from them Mangan, on the other hand, had the good fortune to be able to study in translation some of the finer specimens of Gaelic verse and his essentially mystic genius and a fine musical ear drew from that old irish poetry as something which is lacking in the writings of his contemporaries ferguson and edward walsh alone excepted yet mangan like Moore, went to the east was some of his inspiration though and like he drew more of it from contemporary Gaelic poetry which he translated adapted and imitated with characteristic power but mangan at the end of his career did a hasty piece of work of a thoroughly irish kind in his translations of the gaelic poets and poetry of munster from john o'daly the gaelic publisher and bookseller few of which as mr d j O'Donoghue, his biographer rightly says are of high poetical merit but it is only fair to add in mr o'donohue's words that mangon who did not live to see them published would have given them had he survived their appearance as he often did with his earlier poems an additional polish or other necessary revision the vulgar verse which exploited the stage irishman before his time was transformed by samuel lover into a new medium for the expression of humorous character sketches of irish life these lyrics written to irish popular airs or original compositions by the author had a great vogue in their day and on the strength of the reputation achieved by them lover published an anglo-irish anthology of irish poetry lyrics of ireland in eighteen fifty eight much pains has been bestowed on the collection and classification of the poems in this illustrated anthology its anglo-irish character is evident from the small proportion of either translations or adaptations from the irish that it contains but one poem in ten and sentimental poems are too predominant in the volume much of it moreover is mere convivial and comic historical and political verse but it is nevertheless the most comprehensive as well as typical collection of irish verse that has yet appeared and as it claims to be the most national in the widest sense of the word crofton croker's popular songs of ireland is a collection of anglo-irish folk-songs and ballads gleaned from an unfortunately narrow field which though much still remains to be done to supplement it more especially in the north of ireland dr joyce has in his folk-song volume of 1906 added a considerable number of irish popular ballads in the english tongue to croker's anthology meantime other anthologies of irish poetry were seeing the light charles gavin duffy's afterwards sir charles gavin duffy's well-known volume of the ballad poetry of ireland which had reached a fortieth edition in eighteen sixty nine hayes's two volumes of the ballads of ireland eighteen fifty five and a very comprehensive but far from choice collection and the harp of erin a small but interesting anthology edited by Ralph Verrian and published in 1869, in which northern writers are more adequately represented than elsewhere. To this may be added The Spirit of the Nation, a collection of the best of the poems, published in that famous political journal, edited by Gavan Duffy and Michael Joseph Barris's collection, The Songs of Ireland, 1845 to which thomas davis wrote a stirring introduction Dennis florence mccarthy's the book of irish ballads eighteen forty six and hercules ellis's songs of ireland and romances and ballads of ireland eighteen forty nine and eighteen fifty and william johnston's boyne book of poetry and song an orange collection eighteen fifty nine with the exception of a volume of my own in the mayfair library and its title songs of irish wit and humour shows of limited scope no anthology of irish poetry appeared for many years until the interesting american collection of alfred m williams the circumstances under which that anthology was compiled were remarkable mr williams a reporter of the new york tribune during fenian days was imprisoned in dublin under the arms act for carrying a weapon which as an american citizen he has always been in the habit of doing he solaced his enforced leisure by the study of irish poetry and eventually published with messrs osgood and co of boston his scholarly and discriminating volume the poets and poetry of ireland this anthology had the advantage of longfellow's criticism as it was going through the press and is distinguished by the interesting essays which preface most of its sections and the critical and biographical notes which deal with the more important irish poets like lover's collection it is divided into sections relating to the various types of irish poetry but more stress is laid by williams upon translations from the irish and generally speaking it may be said to be more expressive gaelic than anglo-irish genius it was followed by mr t d sullivan's emerald gems eighteen eighty five the emerald wreath and three american irish collections the ballad poetry of ireland in ford's national library eighteen eighty six Connolly's household library of ireland's poets eighteen eighty seven and the new universal song book p t kennedy eighteen eighty seven meantime there have been a fresh flowering of irish poetry brought about by what has been called the irish literary renaissance whose first inspirers were sir samuel ferguson mangan edward walsh and Aubrey de vere but to the influence of standish o'grady through his heroic history of ireland the main impulse to this movement was undoubtedly given mr Yeats might have been drawn away to lead a school of english mystic poets but for that influence and dr todd hunter and other writers would probably also have been contented to cast in their lot with the english poets amongst whom they lived mr o'grady himself an irish scholar though perhaps more greek than irish in expression fired the imagination of his friends and drew them to the contemplation of irish heroic themes for which he had shown so fine a feeling catherine Tynan, who had fallen under the spell of rossetti may be claimed as a disciple of his as may mr t w rolleston but undoubtedly mr yates was his greatest convert and the finder and his influence of the neo-celtic school of irish poetry and in conjunction with lady gregory of the irish literary theatre on its heroic side it is remarkable how his faithfulness to technique has impressed itself upon his followers for like his brother poet a e he is an artist to his finger-tips if he has been blamed for the limited amount of his poetical output he has at any rate a complete answer that he has put artistic endeavour into each poem he has written and that he has as a propagandist spoken and written more for the creation of irish literature and graphic art and with more effect than any irishman of his time and finally that his latest poetical work shows a remarkable departure in fresh and advanced directions mr yates is also one of our anthologists and his collection a book of irish verse shows a more catholic taste than could have been expected from one of his fastidious word-for-word finish halliday Sparling's Irish minstrelsy eighteen eighty seven had its vogue before the new school of Irish symbolists had arisen under mr Yeats's aegis and mr Hinkson's collection of verse by members of Trinity College Dublin eighteen ninety four and his wife's nee katharine Tynan, delightful florilegium of Irish love songs also anticipated that poetical period as to a large extent did the most ambitious and comprehensive volume of irish verse that had yet appeared a treasury of irish poetry in the english tongue eighteen ninety edited by dr stopford brooke and mr t w rolleston afterwards his son-in-law this anthology is more of a collection than a selection of anglo-irish poetry or rather as the editors describe it irish poetry in the english tongue for it contains not a few fine translations and adaptations from the irish it is as it promises to be a compendium of poetical literature in the making a history of irish poetry in the english tongue as shown by examples of every variety of it deserving critical recognition Another important collection rather than selection of Irish poetry, and exhibiting great pains in its gathering, is Mr. Cook's The Dublin Book of Irish Verse, which has the advantage of being a practically up-to-date anthology. It is arranged in the main, in chronological order, and typical illustrations are given, chiefly from Anglo-Irish writers, though it also contains many good translations from the Irish. It has no literary formation and no biographical sketches of the poets presented or such short critical estimates of the work as are to be found in the brooks Rooston collection but there are about thirty pages of useful notes referring to the sources of the poems or explanatory of the allusions in them other important anthologies and the latest in the field are mrs Tynan and hinkson's and mr patrick gregory's recently published volumes entitled the wild harp and modern anglo-irish verse respectively the first volume like mr yates's contains the poems that have made a special appeal to the anthologist poems likely to capture for english ears sensitive to a wild music just such strains as might be sounded by the strings of a harp something thin strange forlorn something a little unearthly and exquisite else there would be no reason to garner it this method of selection shuts out reflective poetry unless the reflection is brief and shining it bars propagandist poetry altogether mr gregory's anthology only deals with poems whose authors were living when his selection was made he only asks that his poets should be of irish blood he is not careful that their work should be irish in atmosphere he is very catholic in his taste and introduces his readers some half a dozen writers of finely distinctive verse whose work is either quite fresh or has been hitherto overlooked by anthologists John Eglinton, Helen Lanyon, Sir Samuel Keightley, Florence Wilson. Though partial to the ballad and himself a master of this form of verse, he lays special stress on the symbolist lyrics of what we may call the irish-georgian school of writers mr thomas Macdonough, mr george plunkett mr darrell figgis mr j h cousins and mr Sidney royce lysort the most notable new ballad in his book is miss emily lawless's the third trumpet one of the last poems she ever wrote and a very remarkable one while dealing with a bibliography of the subject certain British anthologies may be mentioned which have introduced Irish verse to the general body of readers. The first and most important of these is that beautiful volume Lara Celtica selected with great discrimination by mrs William Sharp from the best Irish Scotch Welsh Cornish and Breton poetry available in the year eighteen ninety six and prefaced by a striking introduction from the pen of her husband who as a celtic writer has adopted the norm de plume of fiona m'cloyd next comes mr brimley johnson's charmingly illustrated four volumes of british ballads now to be had for one shilling in every man's library in which there is an interesting irish selection it has been followed by the oxford book of verse edited by sir quiller couch whose celtic instincts have led him to admit not a few irish poems into his volume conspicuous amongst the writers for the book of georgian poets are some writers of irish blood and much room has been found in mr walter gerald's living poets for the work of irishmen and Irish women. finally attention should be called to two notable anthologies drawn straight from the irish gaelic dr sigerson like miss brooke had preferred to make all the translations from the irish contained in his bards of the gael and gaul this volume appeared in eighteen ninety-seven. But much of the work had been done in the 60s, when, following in the footsteps of Edward Walsh, Doctor Sigerson, in cooperation with the late John O'Daly, accomplished for Munster lyrics what Doctor Hyde had since achieved for the religious and love poetry of Connaught in his two memorial books, the Love Songs of Connaught and the Religious Songs of Connaught. In his collection, which is prefaced by a peculiarly interesting and as well a scholarly introduction and contains a wealth of valuable notes dr Sigerson covers practically the whole ground of gaelic poetical literature not only making translations in the metres and spirit of irish verse of every kind heroic religious sententious humorous descriptive erotic hitherto undoubted with but being always ready to break a lance with former translators such as ferguson walsh and mangan by presenting fresh versions of his own of famous gaelic originals lastly we come to miss eleanor Hull's delightful volume the poem book of the gael this is written much on the same lines of dr sigson's book but with these differences besides making some excellent translations of her own the irish she gives her readers the best metrical translations made by the leading irish poets of this century and the last and by such brilliant prose writers as mr standish hayes o'grady professor Kuno mayer and lady gregory she covers as much ground as dr sigerson though she does not go into as close detail in the matter of the origins of irish verse and its peculiar metric but she presents a very fine prose translation from her own hand of the saltaire naran a ninth century irish version of paradise lost and regained attributed to Dengus the caldy and never rendered into english before and she prints in translation an interesting set of recently collected irish folk-poems religious and secular as well as translations in verse and prose from contemporary gaelic poetry in what respects does my own anthology of irish poetry differ from those described roughly speaking it may be said to be a selection of irish poetry old and new old and modern gaelic poems in english first translation and anglo-irish poetry of the last two centuries which have most appealed to me as illustrating the leading features of gaelic hiberno english and anglo-irish verse i do not suggest that there are not other poems or even many poems equal in merit to those chosen for this volume but i have been careful to make such a selection under the seven heads which appear to me most illustrative of the special characteristics of irish poetry as i hope will be found to yield as much variety of thought style and metrical expressions as could well be contained within the compass of from three to four hundred pages my headings are nature poetry wonder poetry love poetry war poetry national poetry countryside poetry spiritual and philosophical poetry and religious poetry i have been led to adopt this order of subjects for good reasons the earliest irish poetry consists of mystical nature hymns and nature enters largely into the poems of the curculane and fenian sagas while nature poems pure and simple are attributed to finn Macumhail himself but interblend with the visible beauties of this world are the invisible enchantments and supernatural appearances of the fairies the denizens of that other world which amongst the gales was neither in heaven or hell but in intermediate space love poetry finds early expression amongst the gales much earlier expression from both sexes than is to be found in any other european literature the irish were without verse epics but their prose romances are interspersed with lyrics of many kinds including love lyrics of poignant beauty amongst these may be mentioned deirdre's farewell to alba her lament over the bodies of nacy arden and Anli, and her passionate rejection a year later of king connor's attempts to win her love the lamentation over their lovers of the two Credfess fans noble farewell to Cut Plain, and Grain's sleep song, over Dermot, when they are hiding from the pursuit of Fion, are love poems of the rarest quality. I've placed the Irish war poetry next, because it follows naturally upon the love contests between chieftain and chieftain and also because it stretches from pagan to early christian times and through them in its many modes of daring triumph and defeat down to the rebellion of ninety-eight flickering out finally in smithy o'brien's and the fenian rebellions but it is not until the tribal system had been broken for ever that there emerged that spirit of common irish nationality which makes irish patriotic poetry so distinctive the love for Ireland is no doubt most tenderly and perfectly expressed by st but it is not until the clans had united in common defence of the whole country and until ireland began to be described by her bards by such loving names as the little dark rose or the silk of the or again by such titles as Connolly or Kathleen ni Hulahan or the Shan van Vocht, that a spirit of nationalism had been abused sufficient to endure and bear, because it hoped for all things this patriotic poetry, beginning as suggested with Saint Columba, carried on by Keating the historian in his delightful letter to erin and then spreading it in every direction over ireland and overseas with irish exiles it is no sense confined to poets of any particular creed or political belief it is as strong in emily lawless as in de r c magee as fervently expressed by sir samuel ferguson as stephen gwynne or standish o'grady or, or a e i doubt whether there is any poetical literature in the world so suffused with this genuine love of country or in which it is expressed with more delicate feeling. folk-songs have come to us in countless numbers from the gaelic and anglo-irish alike but the Gaelic folk songs are, without doubt, the finest specimens of these have been given in translation with all the skill commanded by Mangan, Ferguson, Walsh, Dr. Sigerson, Dr. Hyde, Mr. P. J. McCall, Miss Eleanor Hull, and Mr. Thomas Maciejona. For their collection, warm obligations are due to Hardiman, Edward Walsh, Dr. Sigerson, Dr. Hyde, Mr. McCall, Mr. P. H. Pierce and the gaelic league and irish folk-song society they would ill be spared speaking as they do straight from the heart of the irish people lastly we have to deal with irish religious poetry and the spiritual and philosophical poetry which has followed it in recent years and which is the most remarkable outcome of contemporary irish literary thought unless indeed the new irish literary drama may be said to rival it as an expression of the modern irish mind though let it be noted that three of its most prominent representatives mr w b yeats mr george russell a e and mr Padraic Colum, are also leading dramatists of the irish literary theatre Ali Irish religious poetry is remarkable, not only for its fine metrical form, but for its cheerful spirituality, its open air freshness and for its occasional touches of kindly humour, and the later religious poetry of O'Daly and kindred writers as preserved by Dr. Hyde, whilst of a more somber character, is beautifully fervid and extraordinarily finished in its technique and what may be called the wild flowers of Irish religious poetry the short prayers invocations and charms are as delightful in their degree as all readers of dr Hyde's religious songs of connaught must confess and now i hand over to my readers the song wreath i have been long gathering for them may they grow to love as much as i do what i have elsewhere described as the sprays of druid oak and yew and red branch ruins hall with dew and sedges sighing from the strand whence oisin rode to fairyland and festal's blooms whose bardic breath pleasured the proud elizabeth heath blooms that o'er our princes sang exultant to the battle-clang pale immortelles whose plaintive lay still murmurs o'er their hero clay and wild flowers plucked with artless art from out the Irish peasant's heart, wood shamrocks, no eans from that lawn, the drinnun Dun, and Canavorn, Arbatus from Killarney's shore, Bog Myrtle, Magical Lusmoor, and every blossom else above, Dark rosaline's own rose of love Alfred Percival Graves End of Introduction